Nina Otero Warren, a leader in New Mexico's suffrage movement, the first woman to be superintendent of Santa Fe Public Schools, chairman of New Mexico's Board of Health, an executive board member of the American Red Cross, and director of an adult literacy program in New Mexico for the Works Project Administration. Nina has a long list of leadership accomplishments as an activist for Hispanic people. And today, she is the fifth woman featured on a quarter in the U.S. Men Americans Women's Quarter Program. And on this podcast, I tell her story. It's quarter miles travel, where the adventure begins when you reach into your pocket. There's a story behind every quarter design, a story that can take you on an adventure of your own, from one-of-a-kind landmarks to hometown heroes. Start your journey with Anita, one quarter mile at a time. Life is meant to be lived. I see it all as it's meant to be seen. I am free. Oh, I am free. Every step I take, every place Born Maria Adelina Isabella Emela Otero on October 23, 1881, on her family's hacienda, La Castancia, located near Las Lunas, New Mexico. She was born into a prominent political family where her parents could actually trace their lineage to the early Spanish colonizers in the area. And at an early age, she experienced the loss of her father who was killed by a squatter trying to settle on their family land. The loss of her father had a great impact on not only her, but also her family. Her mother did remarry in 1886 and Nina stepped in to help take care of her younger siblings. She went on to attend St. Vincent's Academy in Albuquerque and Maryville College of the Sacred Heart, which is now Maryville University in St. Louis. However, home was never very far away for Nina. Always on her mind and in her heart, she returned to the family's hacienda to help take care of her younger siblings. She helped educate her siblings and contributed to the work around the family ranch. Later when she wrote her book, these were the experiences that she recorded in her book, Old Spain in Our Southwest. She became interested in activism in 1897 when her family moved to Santa Fe. It was there where her cousin, Miguel Otero II, became the governor of the New Mexico Territory, and he went on to appoint her stepfather, judicial clerk. Now as an adult, she was also starting to be called Nina. And living in Santa Fe, she was around many people who inspired her to become more socialized as she moved among the political and the cultural elite of Santa Fe. Nina met Rawson D. Warren, an officer in the 5th U.S. Cavalry stationed in Fort Wingate. She married Warren on June 25th in 1908, becoming Nina Otero Warren, the name that she carried all through her life and how we know her. She was 26 years old when she got married. After their Santa Fe wedding, Nina and Rawson moved to Fort Wingate. 
unhappy in her marriage, Nina divorced her husband after only two years and returned to Santa Fe. And during this time, there were so many attitudes and prejudiced feelings and thoughts against divorced women that she decided that for her identity, she would identify as a widow and continue to use her hyphenated name. And in 1912, Nina moved to New York to help and support her brother who was studying at Columbia University. And while there, she worked in the settlement house movement, another opportunity for her to strengthen her fight for her people. When her mother passed in 1914, that was when she decided that it was time to move back to Santa Fe. And during her life, Otero Warren was very accomplished in many areas. Always empathizing the use of Spanish language in the suffrage fight in order to make sure that she reached all Hispanic and Spanish-speaking women. She also spearheaded a lobbying effort to rally the 19th Amendment in New Mexico. And Nina believed very strongly in education and worked to improve the education for all New Mexicans. Advancing and preserving the bicultural education and cultural practices among the state's Hispanic and Native American communities was very important to her. That was top of her list. In 1917, Nina was appointed superintendent of schools in Santa Fe. She defeated a male opponent to win re-election for this position in 1918, and she remained there in that role until 1929. Her focus, of course, as a superintendent, you probably can already guess, was to promote adult education programs, setting up county high schools and raising teacher standards and their salaries, and improving the physical conditions of the school buildings themselves. It's undeniable that she held a strong sense of pride in her Spanish culture and heritage and made every major effort to oppose the federal government's trends toward assimilating non-Anglos into white America. Because during this time, the federal government was pressuring for assimilation of non-whites, including the Native Americans and Hispanic people, into white America. And this assimilation, of course, it meant the loss of traditional languages, customs, and even often family ties. And as superintendent of public schools, Nina worked to balance the demands of the federal government. She argued that both Spanish and English should be allowed in the schools, despite the fact that the federal mandate was for English only. And for a few years beginning in 1923, she was appointed Santa Fe County's inspector of the Indian schools, because they were there too. So not only public schools, but she also served as Santa Fe County's inspector of those Indian schools where many of the people that she knew in the community were being sent. So it's without any surprise that she was critical of the federal government and the poor conditions of the schools. And her greatest argument was that the boarding schools threatened Indian family life and cultural stability. Along with a woman named Alice Paul, who had supported Nina in 1917 to head the New Mexico chapter of the Congressional Union, a precursor to the National Women's Party, Nina and other activists realized that the support of Hispanic culture and language in New Mexico was crucial to winning the suffrage. She also served as chair of the New Mexico Republican State Committee, a women's division, 
and as chair of the Legislative Committee of New Mexico's Federation of Women's Clubs. She went on to also serve as chairman of New Mexico's Board of Health, an executive board member of the American Red Cross, and director of an adult literacy program in New Mexico for the Works Project Administration. Wow, Nina was busy all throughout her life. She never stopped. Nina knew to use her political connections and to leverage her campaign for women's suffrage and to be forceful as she would lobby the state legislator to ratify the 19th Amendment, which it did on February 21st, 1920. She did run for a federal office for the U.S. House of Representatives. However, she lost the general election by fewer than 10,000 votes. It is said and it is believed that due to the public's discovery that she was actually divorced rather than widowed. And being that, as I mentioned, divorce was not looked upon as acceptable at that time. So she never ran again for another public office. However, that didn't stop her from her work as an activist. We know that. During World War II, she ran the Santa Fe County Office of Price Administration, enforcing the federal government's price controls. And with each powerful way of leading and accomplishing civil rights for Hispanic people and the people in her community, you might wonder, so what was the woman like? What was her personality? Well, that's a good question. Because when you think of someone with that type of strong leadership, you do wonder, well, what were they like just to be around on a day-to-day basis? And Nina became a regular fixture in the social life of Santa Fe. She definitely liked that. She was described as graceful, intelligent, and a high spirit, and very independent. You probably could have guessed that. And throughout her life, Nina was known for both her proper manner and the expectations that she had of others to have those same type manners, and her unconventional personal life. And although she never remarried or had children of her own, she took her role as La Nina, a godmother to her siblings and nieces and nephews, and arguably the whole community, really. She took all of that very serious, and each relationship was very important to her. In the early 1930s, she and her partner, Mamie Medors, established a ranch called Las Dos, the two women. The ranch was located outside of Santa Fe, and they paid $67.40 for two homestead applications and agreed to spend an average of five months a year living on their homestead and to improve the land by building two houses, fencing the property, which was around 1,257 acres, and cultivating the land and maintaining a road for five years. That was the agreement. By adhering to this and meeting all of the homestead requirements of the Homesteading Act of 1862, they received the title for the land. In 1947, they established a real estate and insurance company, also called Las Dos. Mamie died in 1951, but Nina continued running the business. Neither woman ever publicly announced the details of their relationship, but what was known by everyone was that they loved what they were doing and working together for over 20 years to achieve. To capture her full life on paper and share it with the world, 
Nina started writing and published My People for an issue of Survey Graphic in 1931. In the early 1960s, Nina moved back to the family property in Santa Fe after the death of her brother. It was there where Nina died on January 3rd, 1965. Nina Otero Warren, known in the state as a dedicated and skilled public servant who fought for culture, tradition, language, education, health and welfare during her whole lifetime. She is an outstanding American woman. The Nina Otero Warren Quarter is the fourth coin in the U.S. Mint American Women's Quarters program. And this is her story. To learn more about Nina Otero Warren, visit the National Park Service's website, nps.gov.people. You can also find information about Nina at the National Women's History Museum in Washington, D.C. Visit their website, womenshistory.org. And more information is available at the Albuquerque Library. Visit their website, abqlibrary.org. And for more information about the U.S. Men and their quarter programs, the American Women's Quarters, the State Quarters, and the Commemorative Quarters for the National Parks, visit their website, usmen.gov. And so you are first to know about all of the upcoming episodes of Quarter Miles Travel. Make sure you click that subscribe button. And while you're at it, check your pockets, all your sofa cushions, and where you just might find a quarter. Flip it over, and Quarter Miles Travel will take it from there. We'll help you turn that quarter into an adventure. Thanks for listening today.